We are going to dive into uh, the Word of God this morning, and uh, if you've been with us over the past uh, few weeks, you'll know that we're journeying through um, a series, a teaching series together in all of our different locations. And if you're new to us this morning, um, that series has been all about our 12 family values. That as a church family, just like every other uh, normal physical family have a set of values uh, that shapes the culture, and we've said that may be spoken or unspoken, but it shapes the culture of what they want to see in that house. Likewise, as a church family, as a church community, we have a set of values that really um, set the priorities, that um, dictate what's important to us as a church community. And we've looked at 10 of them so far. I'm not going to go over those today because of the sake of time. Uh, but they're all available uh, online or via our Family Church app. And if you're new to us, then we can help you after the service download the app. But today I want to talk about the fact that we are community-minded. We are community-minded. And as Brenda began to pray uh, this morning, it was really in line with um, what we're going to communicate today, even though she didn't know what I was necessarily speaking on this morning. We are community-minded. And here's the tagline that goes with that. Being the hands and feet of Jesus in our local communities. We are one of our family values, one of our guiding principles, one of our important standards as a church community is that we are community-minded, being the hands and the feet of Jesus in our local community. Now, why is this one of our family values? This is a value to us. This is of importance to us because we believe that as the body of Christ here in heaven, alongside every other great church in this community who preaches the name of Jesus Christ. We have been called here to be the hands, the feet, the voice of Jesus in our communities, wherever that may be. Amen? So that's true for you as an individual in your street, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. You are called to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus into that area. But also, as a joint thing, as a church community, we understand that we have been called, as I said last week when I touched on the subject of purpose, we have been called together, God has ordained it, that we would be a body believers in this local area at such a time as this, as a moment in history. And you know, one of the things that is part of that is this building that God has blessed us with. And one of the things that I love about the Empower Center Haven, and if you don't know the story of how we ended up uh, buying this building, it really is a, a miracle and a work of God, and we'd love to share the story with you sometime. But one of the things that I love most about this building is the fact that it's slap bang in the middle of a community. Amen? We are surrounded by need. We are surrounded by people, and some of that need is natural. And some of that, in fact, the majority of that need is spiritual and has a God context to it. That's what I love about where God has called us to be. And we need to understand that Jesus hasn't given us this building just so that we could come in and sing songs about him and learn how to be disciples of him, but then go home and ignore the community that he has placed this building and us as the people of God within in order that we would reach for people around us. We want to be community-minded, outward-focused, knowing that part of the call of our discipleship is that we would live not just with ourselves in mind, but we would be minded of the needs of others, both the temporary needs of this world, but also the eternal needs of their spirit. 
because we want to be a church that meets the natural needs that people come uh, up against and that's a biblical principle that is threaded throughout the gospels and the way that Jesus taught us to live but even more than that we want that everybody that we encounter in our community would know the God that we know and would be in relationship with a God that we are in relationship with Ephesians 1 verse 23 and I want to read this from the message, which, remember, is not a translation. It's a paraphrase of the Bible. But I love the way Eugene Peterson puts uh, this context. It says, at the center of all of this, Jesus rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. But the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So when... We look at doing outreaches and we talk about encountering with our community and our community coming into this building and so on and so on. And we'll look at some of those practicalities in a moment. We are being the hands and feet of Jesus. We are being the voice of Jesus. We are being community minded. And I want to look at this in two parts, really. Firstly, I'm going to share the why behind what we do. And then in a moment, Emily's going to come and share the what and the practicalities of us being a community minded church so let's begin with the why why are we community minded and to set the foundation of understanding for this we're going to turn to Luke chapter 10 so if you've got a Bible with you turn it to Luke chapter 10 and it will come up on uh, the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible with you but it's great to be able to follow along in your Bible to take notes as we journey uh, through this and we're going to read a story that Jesus taught how many of you know that Jesus was a master communicator amen he was a master storyteller. He would speak into the situations that they experienced, and this is one such occasion. Now, let me just set the context for this by reading verse 25. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. The Pharisees, the experts in the law, were continually looking and aiming to test Jesus and catch him out. He said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But a man wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus told a story. He said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, just pause there for a moment. We're going to come back to verse 31 in just a moment. But I want us to pause at verse 30 because verse 30 speaks of a man. Obviously, this is a story that Jesus was telling, but there was a reason he was telling this story. And he speaks of a man who was journeying from one place to another in his life. He was journeying a distance of 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho, Jericho to Jerusalem in this moment. And he's taking that journey. And on his route, he's attacked. He's attacked by physical robbers, people who, who did him out of what he had and left him on the side of the street half dead. Now this is a story that Jesus was telling. It's a physical attack. But we've got to understand that this robber that's mentioned in verse 30 could so easily translate to so many things that people are encountering in our community right now. That right now this robber can take the form of abuse. That there are people journeying through their life 
And because of the abuse that's been bestowed upon them, or they're, they're experiencing at the hands of people who should or maybe do know better but continue to do so, there are children in our community right now as we sit here and worship our King, there are people and children who are being abused in our community. There are adults who are carrying the scars of their yesterdays because of that. This robber can take the form of debt. But there are individuals and families in our community right now who are crippled by debt. That debt has removed pride. It's removed hope. It's caused distress. We are surrounded by substance abuse. That what began as some sort of escapism from the pressures of life has now become a dependency that has caused people to be robbed of the life that God had intended for them to live. That this weekend, in one form or another, there may be a, a man injecting himself again, desperately within himself, wanting to stop, but finding himself doing it again. There's a woman staring at an empty bottle, thinking it would have taken away the pain that she felt, but still carrying the scars of what is going on in her life. This robber can take the form of loneliness. That there are people in our community, young and old, who are incredibly lonely. They don't fit in as they see it with society. They sit behind closed doors, needing to experience the love of God. This robber can be pain of a child growing up in a home where dad beats mum. A child growing up in a loveless environment. This robber can take the form of poverty, but you don't need to go to remote places of the world today to experience poverty. We can experience it here, right here on our doorstep. In this very moment, there are people who are struggling to put food on the table. This robber can take the form of redundancy as a proud parent sits at home wondering how they will provide. It may speak of hopelessness as a single mum wonders how she can go on any longer. And just like this man in Jesus' story, they're on the side of life wondering how to get back up. They're in that place of hopelessness and despair, desperately needing somebody to pass by with kindness and love that comes from God. Verse 31, Jesus continues. He says, A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side side. Two guys, a priest and a Levite, both involved in religious activity, both involved in ministry, arrive at the need. They see the need and yet they pass by the need. And this is something, you know, this is a story that Jesus told and that we, we get out for our kids and we get them to coloring a, a picture of a good Samaritan. But how much does that actually speak to us today as adults in our world understanding that it can be so easy to do ministry for Jesus and yet not live out the ministry of Jesus in the world that surrounds us. They see the need and yet they pass by the need. Now there's a few reasons why this potentially happened or why Jesus orchestrated in this story that this happened and it helps us to understand the culture. See, to touch somebody who was dead would cause you to become unclean, meaning that you could not work or serve in, in the tabernacle or the temple. And so here were the, these two guys, the priest and the Levite, encountering somebody who was looking dead. He was half dead, Jesus said in his story. And so to have touched him would have caused them to maybe become unclean. So maybe it was an issue of cleanliness, but if they touched him, it would have stopped them from serving in the temple. Yet actually that doesn't stack up. 
because Jesus said that they were going down the road. In other words, and nothing that Jesus said doesn't have any significance. Jesus said they were going down the road, which meant they would have been leaving Jerusalem. In other words, they had finished their duties. They'd been to the temple. They were now heading home. And so the hypocrisy is this, that they'd been to worship God. They'd done the love God part of, of being a, a follower of God. Yet in avoiding the need, they didn't love the neighbor. And I dare put it to you that not doing the second actually put into question the first. These guys came to a need, yet they ignored it, they avoided it. Because why? Maybe because it was unclean, it was messy, it wasn't what they wanted to get involved with. You see, their life was wrapped up in lifeless religion. They'd do church, they'd go to the temple, they'd do a service, they'd actually be involved in the service, yet it didn't affect the way that they live. Being community-minded, being others-focused means you can't pass by need without responding with the love of God. But for these guys, it was too messy. Maybe another reason they didn't respond, and this is what Jesus was thinking, is that it was his own fault. You see, the road between Jerusalem and Jericho was very steep and it was very dangerous because there were so many places for robbers to hide. This was a real road. This was actually known notoriously as the way of blood. And so again, Jesus was speaking into something that the people listening to him in that moment would understand. This was an event that really could have taken place in real life. And so maybe in his context, the priest and the Levite looked at this man and thought, well, it's his own fault. He, he was walking down the road. He knows it's a dangerous road. He knows there's robbers hiding behind every rock and, and, and space where they can be. He knows that this would be dangerous, and so it's his own fault. And do you know what? There's a sense in which Christianity and the church today can so often be found pointing the finger, saying, well, it's their own fault anyway. They got themselves into this mess, so, so they can sort it out. Nobody asked that man to start drinking. He chose to start drinking. And if you keep drinking, well, that's what's going to end up happening. They're only in debt because of their choices. And instead of actually being an answer to a need, we just spend our time busy pointing the finger about how the need came about. And these guys, as they ignored the need and avoided the need, they ignored the very people that God had called them to reach. Verse 33, Jesus carries on. He says, but a Samaritan. This is like a, you know, modern day context. I've often said this. This is like a, a Southampton fan walking past a Portsmouth fan on the side of a road and being moved with compassion to reach out. Or actually even more the other way around. This is like a, a Portsmouth fan reaching out to the Southampton. I mean, that's a whole other context. And there would have been like a sharp intake of breath in this moment as Jesus said this, just like when Jesus talked about the, the parable of a prodigal son and he said that the, the father ran to meet the son where he was at and that was a cultural no-no. There would have been a sharp intake of breath. Why? Because if you know the context of this story, there was open hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. And so Jesus, as always, is making a point and he's sharing in this moment. He's saying that true kindness, the love of God, knows no boundaries. It isn't stopped by certain thinking. It isn't stopped by race. It isn't stopped by anything. And a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity upon him. Now, I want you to notice something in the next verse. Because actually, the next verse is far more important than what we've just read in this verse. Because... It was one thing to him to show pity, but he doesn't stop 
at pity. And what he does in verse 34 is way more important than verse 33. Let me just say this. People in our world don't need our pity. People in your workplace don't need your pity. People surrounding this building today do not need our pity. They need the love of God that moves and responds and acts. Amen. People do not need you to throw them a pity party. They need to experience the true love of God in action. They need to experience and understand the hope that God gives to hopeless situations. That government can do something and people can do something. But Jesus Christ is the only one who can turn situations around. And so verse 34, he doesn't stop at pity. It says, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, for one who had mercy upon him and Jesus said go and do likewise my, my challenge today as we talk about being a community-minded church this value that we are community-minded is that we would be a church who go and do likewise that we would be a church who don't just gather and, and celebrate God's goodness in the, in the temple as it were who don't just experience the Holy Spirit in, in a worship service but experience the Holy Spirit speaking to us when we encounter need and the people who have physical and practical needs but far beyond that have a spiritual need that needs the love of God to respond to it Jesus told us to go and do likewise how do we do that Matthew 25 verse 30 Jesus said these words then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, But Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked or give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And many of us know this verse, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, you were doing it to me. Proverbs 3.27, Do not withhold good, from those who deserve it when it is in your power to help them. Now, here's the thing. To be community-minded, to live out this value, it's, it's nice in theory. It's nice in, uh, to think about, yeah, we want to be community-minded. Yeah, we, we want to be people who show the love of God to others. But do you know what? To be the hands and feet of Jesus in our local community, there's a cost to that. That's what Jesus showed us in the moment, that there's a cost to that. There's a cost of time and effort. The Samaritan no doubt had stuff that he needed to do. He had a busy day, he had a schedule, he had opportunities, he had his life to think about and yet as he encountered this need he didn't just focus on himself, he focused on the need that represented through this man there before him. In a moment Emily's going to come and share about some of the practical outworkings of this and what we do in our community uh, and there's a cost to that in terms of time and effort and energy that is called from us. There's also a financial cost. It costs the Samaritan financially 
to meet the need. As he, he says to the innkeeper, well, here's, here's the money for his stay. And when I come back, I'll, I'll pick up the bill, whatever it is. I'll pay the bill. He didn't say up to this point or, or if, he, you know, if he goes crazy on the minibar, then I'm not going to cover that. But just I'll, I'll cover the bill. He said, I'll cover whatever it costs. And there's a cost to us financially as well. And we shared uh, a few weeks ago about the vision offering that a lot of that is going towards what we do in our community. And I just want to take a moment to thank you so much for your generosity of what we have seen come in so far. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet sown into that and you want to, and you consider this place home, then what we give, a, a huge portion of that is going to go towards our work in the community, as Emily's going to outline in just a moment. And you know what? If you weren't here a few weeks ago, we spent some time looking back at how we spent the finance last year, but also talking about the, the next year ahead. And I know that not everybody can get involved with it financially, but if you can, there's an opportunity to give before the end of November. So being minded, community-minded, may cost us in different ways. Time, effort, finance, time of prayer. Listen, we want to be a praying church amen we don't want to do all these things on our own natural strength and not be praying and maybe you say well I, I haven't got the time to do this i can't do that I, I haven't financially got the ability to support but you can pray now don't use prayer as your cop out okay if you can do the other things you say well I, i'm just going to pray i'm talking to those who say do you know what i have got time to just sell aside and pray i want you to be praying as, as brenda said for these streets i want you to be praying for every time that we do an outreach or a weekly event for our community. We are community-minded, being the hands and feet of Jesus in our communities, not just in Haven, but in Portsmouth, in Gosport, in Waterlooville, in Waterside, and even in the Philippines. We are reaching out to our local communities. So that's some of the why, um, and I'm going to invite Emily in a moment just to share on, on the what, the practical outworking of that, because otherwise we'd leave now and it would be great theory, but actually we wouldn't be pulling anything into practice. And so um, Emily, if you don't know, is our operations manager here at Family Church, haven't. And she also is the office manager in Portsmouth. Uh, but she oversees all that we do uh, in the community and oversees our amazing team of volunteers. And we are, sounds like I'm getting emotional, but it's actually, I'm just swallowing. Um, <laughs> we are so incredibly grateful um, for Emily and all that she does. So let's give her a massive round of applause as she comes up to share. Thank you. I won't get emotional, don't worry. Um, yeah, so I just have the privilege of just sharing what we do in terms of our community. Um, but what I thought I'd just start off with is, um, oh, behind me on the screen, at some stage, it doesn't have to be just, a, it can be in a second. Um, but we're just going to run through some of the photos of things that we've been doing this year. Because I know, in theory, you hear about what we're doing but we actually did something in the office um, as part of a team for all congregations uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. And we, as a community, different community teams, we came together and we talked about what we do in each community. And um, I've been part of Family Church for uh, quite a long time now. And I didn't really know what other congregations do. Like you hear about it and things like that. And we saw these pictures on the screen and I just thought, wow, like we really are going out into the community. We are reaching people. And actually, it's also different as well, and that's okay. It doesn't matter that one congregation is doing this, and you think, oh, I need to do that as well. Actually, everyone in the congregation, we are all our own little families, and we've all got different gifts and things on our heart, and they all come together and make one huge picture of incredible stuff that we're doing, 
but actually we've all got our talents and we all use them in the right way and exactly where God's called us to be in that particular community. Um, so yeah, so I, I was fascinated by it and I've been, <laughs> I've been part of family church for a long time, so hopefully you are as well. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to quickly start off with um, a Bible verse and it was something that I read, I'm trying to remember when I read it and it's probably like during lockdown or just before I took on the role here. I've been doing the community, overseeing sort of core community for quite um, a while but I've been in the job probably just under two years um, and I think it must have been just after lockdown, just before I took the job and um, it is uh, Exodus 17 verse 12 and it says... Um, Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. They stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so that his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. And, oh, hang on a second, no, wait, hang on, I've jumped, there is... I'm going to read it again because I've missed out one bit. I was like, hang a second, there was a bit more. Like, where is that? Okay, so one second. Okay, we're going to start at 11. So just pretend you didn't hear that. Wipe it from your brain. Oh, but now I'll be asked to go around and ask what, like, verse 12 was. Okay, so it says, As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But when he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired, so he no longer held them up so Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands so his hands held steady until sunset as a result Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle and it's really just something that stood with me um all the way through along whatever we do and it's about how important it is that without Aaron and her Moses couldn't hold up his staff and we're there to support people we're there to stand alongside and at the end of that there was victory and it's our responsibility and our privilege to be able to stand along these people in the community and hold them up and position them I mean by putting the stone there um, allowed Moses to be in the position to be able to withstand and hold up his staff and it just it was just it's really stuck with me all the time to say like how can we support people how can we stand alongside them and how can we position them um, so yeah, I just thought it's something that is always in the back of our mind with what, whatever we're doing. Um, so I just wanted to share it with you. So yeah, so our job is to support and position people for victory. Um, we're the facilitators, and it makes action easy. Or oh, so we are the facilitators. Facilitating means to make an action easy or easier. So what we can do in whatever we do, whether it's tots and toys, we can make whatever they're going through easier and in the end there's going to be victory so it's whether they're going through financial crisis or whether people are lonely I mean there's so many different things and sometimes it can just simply be that people struggle during the week and we facilitate something that allows them to come in and show them God's love and it can be something so simple but we're just making it easier by stepping forwards and and stepping into that um, so over the last year, we've really focused on building the relationship with our Tots and Toys group. Um, for some of you who've been with us for a long time, we've done having fun days and things like that. And then this year, what we decided was to sort of uh, really focus on one area. But with that, we sort of expanded what we were doing in that area. And it's like when you concentrate something, you can do it really, really well. So we focus on our Tots and Toys group. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Tots and Toys group runs on a Wednesday. Um, it's led by the fabulous Meg, who does such an incredible job each week. Um, it's term time, 
and um, it runs from uh, 10 o'clock. No, it's not 11 o'clock. Do you know something? Because Portsmouth runs, because I'm in the office on Monday, <laughs> Portsmouth runs a completely different time, and people ring up and like, oh, can I go to Tots and Toys? I'm like, I can't remember the times. So 11 till 12.30, if I haven't. Um, if you want Portsmouth, then I'll tell you another time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it runs from 11 till 12.30, and we run crafts and... Um, lots of different things and we it can sometimes be tailored to the time of year and uh, with that we also sort of do snack time and stuff together and it's just really lovely to see the community and us be able to just build relationships. So yesterday one of the things I did was I just quickly asked the Tots and Toys group as in we have a f private Facebook group with all the people that go and I just wanted to get a little bit of feedback um, as we head towards the end of the year on sort of how they find the Tots and Toys group. And one of the um, messages that came back was that, she, so she said, what she enjoys about Tots and Toys is the inclusivity of the group. It makes you feel welcome and relaxed, always very comfortable, like you at your friend's house for coffee, and only that, only that there are loads of lovely new friends to make. And I just thought, like, that's exactly what we want it to be, is we want people from the community to come into this house and feel like it's a house and you're absolutely welcome. Um, so we've been able to facilitate that by people giving up their time the incredible tots and toys team give up their wednesday mornings each week and it and it takes setting up and speaking and sorting out refreshments and the prep that goes into the crafts and things like that but by stepping out and sacrificing and doing that you've been able to, we've been able to facilitate that environment for that lady um so we've also done a jubilee party a very hungry caterpillar picnic and um most recently we've done a little city event and for those of you who don't know what little city is i didn't know what it was i'm talking like i knew but i didn't because i don't have children <laughs> but it's the best tots and it's like a soft play but it has like a little like room for each person like different areas so there's a hairdressers there's a bakers it was fantastic i was like they should have had that when i was younger um and actually the team really enjoyed we were able to go look, sort of look around just before the kids turned up and it's brilliant um and I played shops as well. I think there's one of the pictures I include. There's like, yeah, the shops. So anyway, so it's brilliant. But what we did, so people usually hire them and they have to pay for it. And what we did was as a Tots and Toys group and as a church and, and by people signing into the vision offering and things like that, we were able to facilitate it and we were able to gift it to our Tots and Toys group and our regulars. And usually they'd have to pay for that, which they didn't have to do. And um, we gave priority spaces to the group and they loved it. And it was two hours and they, like the kids and the parents, they just played for two hours and it was so lovely to be able to do that and gift that to them. Um, and same with the Jubilee party. Um, we work with some sort of local people. We work with One Stop who actually help us with funding um, and we were able to do a Jubilee party. And these are like key moments in like, building memories and things like that and I think these kids got to do a jubilee party we got to be part of it with them and actually when they think about it later in years to come they'll be able to say oh do you remember that jubilee party we went to at the Empower Centre Haven um so it's great and actually we bring Jesus and we bring um sort of the gospel in, in ways that we can so when it gets to Christmas we'll do nativity activities when it's Easter we do Easter activities so it's a soft way of leading both the parents and the kids into um knowing Jesus in a way that's Church can be, I appreciate church can be scary sometimes and walking into a new building on a Sunday when you don't know how it works if you've never been in that environment and to be able to bring church to them in a way that's more comfortable um, is, is really great. Um, 
so then, yeah, also, so we've done Easter, um, and uh, with that, we had 25 children over two days. Um, we did Easter activities. We shared um, we shared the story of Easter. We had sort of crafts that are mixed with Bible-based craft and um, other sort of crafts that they may have done, like at school and things like that. Um, and it was brilliant, and the kids were absolutely fantastic. We had a brilliant team. We had Lucy, we had Stuart, we had Steph, uh, we had Sadie, and... Um, it, it, was, it was brilliant and actually the kids were fantastic and they enjoyed it and it was still, I can't remember if it was still a bit, if it was still like COVID times, I can't remember, but the parents dropped the kids off at the door and some of them have never been in here before, but they trusted us and they were just like, yeah, here you go, here's the kids for the day and the kids enjoyed it and some of them who hadn't registered for the two days were asking whether they could come back the next day um, and they really enjoyed the Bible-based crafts. They, they just really immersed themselves and it was such a privilege to be part of during Easter. Um, with all of these, there's different roles and I would say whatever you feel comfortable with and whatever God puts on your heart in terms of what you want to do, then always sort of listen to that. So if you are great at... <laughs> This is, if you're great at making sandwiches, that's perfect because we need someone to do lunch. If some, that's on your heart and you're like, I want to feed these children, then that's fine. It might seem really insignificant, but that is such a key part of the day that without we had um, Loretta um, and... Um, we th they sort of we had a team in the kitchen who were making sandwiches and we couldn't have done lunch without them making sandwiches. So um, yeah, Loretta and Joyce we had in the kitchen and without them we couldn't have been able to do sandwiches because everyone's doing stuff outside. So that was such a key part of the day, but might actually seem really insignificant. Um, so yeah, don't always think oh gosh I can't I'm I'm not great with kids or I'm a bit overwhelmed with children and stuff like that. Actually, there's roles in everything that we do, from tots and toys. We have refreshments, we have set-up, and we have pack-down. Um, there's so much involved in it other than the actual sort of t like core time. Um, so never like never write yourself off. And actually, you know, if anyone ever told me I'd be running to uh, helping to run tots and toys or running Easter Club like years and years ago, I'd be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's fine. But actually, God will surprise you. And when you have stuff on your heart, you'll be able to do it. It doesn't matter really. Um, so how can you get involved? So we've got the giveaway coming up, and and that's. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's when we go around and we've got chocolates and biscuits and we go around to our local community. And we've been doing it for years now and actually it's seeing the same faces and things like that. Um, and it's it's just a real... It's just something that, like, I don't know, it's really hard to describe. It's something you walk away and you think, wow, it's just given... It might just seem like you're giving chocolates, but actually it's a reminder to those in the community that you're not alone, that we are here, we are active, we're going to stand alongside you, and we can invite them to Christmas, things like that. But actually sometimes it's just saying hi on the doorstep to people. Um, we've got Christmas coming up. So on your chairs... I cut out some handy cards <laughs> this week, cut out by yours truly. Um, and on the back, it's got a QR code and it's about volunteer to sign up to volunteer for the actual event. So if you just take those, if you haven't got one on chair, there's one next to you. Or I've got a few down at the front um, or I can cut some more up, whatever you like. Um, <laughs> won't stop you. Um, so, uh, but... We've got so many roles, and it could be starting to set up, it could be packing down, it could be doing refreshments outside. There's so much. And so don't, again, don't feel overwhelmed to think, oh, gosh, like, I can't be part of the worship team on the front. It's okay. We're not going to make you do that. <laughs> We're not going to make you do something you're not comfortable with. 
that would be the worst thing for me if someone came to help at one event and thought, oh gosh, I was so uncomfortable the whole day. Absolutely not. Like We will work with you and we'll do whatever you, we will help you be in whatever role you want to be. Um, and it's just going to be an incredible time. Christmas is, um, it can be a lonely time for people. So actually being able to say to people, come and join us for Christmas and celebrate with us um, is, is just such a, a good opportunity. And we're going to have the kids on stage and the activity. And the activity really facilitate it so that actually some of the children who may not have been able to be in the activity at school, that they get to be part of this. So again, it's making memories. Um, so yeah, I encourage you to please sign up because I know I say it all the time, but without people, we can't run the event. And actually, it's not even just sort of the, the manual side and the practical side of doing it. Without people there to show people God's love, then we can't run the event. Because at the end of the day, anyone can do what we do in terms of like putting it on. But actually, being Christians and showing God's love is actually what makes us different. And it's actually the long-term effect. Like, these people, we want to be saved. They, we want them to be saved. And if we can facilitate this, and then sort of, it can be now, or it can be seed sown, it could be six months' time, or it could be eight months' time, or it could be two weeks' time, that actually we've allowed, we've created this, this space where people can, yeah, just find God and actually know that we're not <laughs> weird because <laughs> it is sometimes that people think oh gosh I can't go to church and then actually just quickly I won't keep talking but um the little city we had um the lady who did little city you think oh actually okay little city we're going to do it for the kids and stuff like that but actually I was able to have the conversation with the lady that did little city and she was telling me about how she used to go to church and if churches were like this when she was younger she might have still been in church and I was like it really surprised me because I was like actually my focus was on kids and and how we were going to be able to do this for them and actually it's the surrounding communities and it's all the loops and it could be that you speak to one family who speaks to her daughter or her cousin or aunt and uncle and actually it brings them all in so it's so important and if those conversations don't happen then it it might not those seeds and might not be sown so you have such a responsibility to be like I'm going to be there and I'm going to show up um so yeah so that's me but I just say if you've got anything on your heart also, <laughs> one last point. If you have anything, <laughs> I'll be like one o'clock, like one last point. Um, if you have anything on your heart, so recently I've been speaking to Alison, who um, is really keen to do an older person's cafe, and she was telling me a story of a lady who is in the community and she ha had a fall, and that uh, she was just really, really lonely. And so Alison's like, she wants to do this older person's cafe and it's really on her heart now um if you want to be part of that then speak to Alison or myself or pastor steve but also if you've got anything on your heart and you've got something that you think do you know something now is the time god's placed it on my heart i feel it's time is now if you can get a team together and you can sort it out then th that's perfect like God puts things on our hearts and puts people on our hearts and groups and things like that and we've got this incredible building that can be used so um yeah do pray about it and think about how what you want to do and what God's talking to you about and how you can be community minded and how you can get involved because um yeah God raises us up and and, and puts us in positions and things like that so yeah don't ignore it because it could be like now is the time um but yeah so that is actually me now <laughs> but thank you for listening i really appreciate it excellent thank you and um just on that that point and i don't i don't want to misquote what actually happened because i'm evangelist so i may really increase what was said but that lady um who had that fall um was given a hug that day 
and she said that actually that was the first hug she'd yeah, had in <laughs> Megan. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, first hug she'd had in um, a very, very long time. And yeah, this person was living on her own. She'd had a fall and it was the paramedics that gave her the hug. And you think, well, actually, it, her neighbours, like we are here, like it could be us that are facilitating being able to have tea and coffee with her and have a chat with her. How many times has she had a chat with someone over the last couple of weeks or last six months? So um, it's just being able to be in that place so that that doesn't happen and we can stand in the gap for people. Brilliant. And so that came off about as we've been praying and uh, God's been speaking to us about a drop-in cafe. Um, maybe some for the elderly, but also for those who have been disconnected over the last um, few years of everybody being locked behind closed doors. Do you know, many of us have returned to normal life, some haven't. And so it was really on our heart to just reach out to our community. And just as we were praying, we heard that story. And it was almost like God saying, okay, are you ready now? So we need people to make that happen in terms of time, effort, um, as I said earlier. So thank you very much, Emily. Um, and really, that's our challenge. Come on, let's be community-minded. It's great to, to sing about the love of God, but let's be people who show the love of God in what we do. Let's just finish by praying this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you've given us in terms of resource, time, ability, to reach people in our community. Lord, your word says, let him who, he, who wins souls is wise. So Father, we just ask for incredible wisdom in how to win souls and how to reach people and how to show them your love. Father, we speak over every single household in this community that they will know the love of God. Lord, and we, if we can play our part in that, Lord, use us in whatever way you want to and you need to over the coming weeks, months, and years. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.